BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 176, which I'm calling House on the Hill. So, how do you like my new mellow opening music? Tech news. Wow, that opening music is uh, so chill. Almost made me not want to do the podcast. Anyway, Twitter has rebranded to X as owner Elon Musk tries to make the app the WeChat of the West. The old Bluebird Twitter sign was taken down from the company's San Francisco headquarters and replaced with a, well, first a projected X and then with a pulsating permanent sign. The app's icon has also been updated to reflect the change on Android and iOS versions of it. Of course, the tech press, which has never really forgiven Musk for bursting the political social media bubbles they resided in, had an overall negative reaction to the name change. For example, Gizmodo.com had the following headline, Twitter's bird logo dies by Musk's hands. Now it's time to drive X into the ground. X's CEO, Linda Yaccarino, said the new X app will transform the so-called Internet Global Town Square into an app that will be centered in audio, video, messaging, payments, and banking. She also stated that it would be powered by AI. The Gizmodo article had the author wondering how a micro-blogging site could possibly add banking. Well, this just shows that the author of this article, along with many other text press authors, just don't get it. And these are the people that are supposed to be bringing us the latest current tech trends. 
I'm just waiting on Microsoft's 365 to join the all-in-one app party. The company has already laid the groundwork with 365, which is going to be just one giant app instead of many separate apps. X's main competitor, Meta's Threads app, has added a following tab so you can now see chronological posts from people you follow instead of letting the algorithm curate posts that appear in your feed. We'll just have to wait and see if this attracts users to stick with threads. I guess time will tell. I have an update. BBC News is reporting that in a recent call to employees, Mark Zuckerberg revealed that though threads has accumulated over 100 million users within its first five days, the Twitter, the ex-competitor, has lost over half of those users. So I guess time is already letting us know what's happening. <laughs> Amazon's satellite internet service, Project Cooper, is building a $120 million processing facility in Florida. This is from GeekWire.com. The processing center will prepare satellites for launch and is located on the former space shuttle landing strip of the Kennedy Space Center launch and landing facility. Amazon plans on launching a 3,236 satellite constellation with half of that number in service by mid-2026. Of course, Amazon will be competing with Elon Musk's SpaceX Starlink service. Well, competition is a good thing, and I hope this will help lower the price for a satellite broadband internet service in general. Hey, maybe Amazon's internet service will become one of Prime's benefits. No. The YouTube channel FPT is reporting that the iPhone 16 or 17 will feature a bezel-less display, most likely on the mythical iPhone Ultra series, which has been rumored to be coming in the near future. The renders shown look cool, but I wonder how much money this will cost consumers. The current iPhone Pro models already cost the same as a base model MacBook Air. Yeah, now I get it. Many people's smartphone is their computer, but wouldn't it make more sense to buy a cheaper phone and spurge on a laptop for home and mobile computing? Speaking of which, FPT is also reporting that Apple will be raising the price for the iPhone Pro line this year, but we'll leave the iPhone Poor People's Edition price alone. <laughs> yeah, boy. My lovely wife and I were planning on purchasing the Pro Plus model this coming autumn and just upgrading every three years instead of the two-year cycle we're on presently. This price increase has us, well, actually just me, reconsidering that plan and settling for a regular iPhone Plus. We really don't need the power or the advanced features of the Pro lineup. And as a matter of fact, the regular iPhone is rumored to be getting a significant camera upgrade this year. Yay! My current iPhone 13 Poor Persons Edition has served me well. Well, the battery life could be better, but that's what portable battery chargers are for. Samsung held an unpacked event last week and announced updated Galaxy Z Flips and Folds, Galaxy Watches, and Galaxy Tablets. The new Galaxy Z Flip 5 features a larger 3.4-inch external display, which makes the screen much more functional than its predecessors. The new screen will allow you to see alerts better and reply to messages and use the wallet app without even having to open the phone. The hinge is improved, and the processor is a Gen 2 Snapdragon 8. The phone storage has been doubled also. The Galaxy Z Flip 5 will be available for purchase on August 11th and set you back a cool 1000 bucks. Meanwhile, the Galaxy Z Fold 5 features a thinner, gapless design with a brighter display and the same latest and greatest chip as the Z Flip. This new Snapdragon claims to provide improved multitasking. The Z Fold also ships on the 11th of August and will cost you 
$1,799. What? Yeah, uh, no, I don't think I'll be buying that anytime soon. My lovely wife is in love with the Galaxy Z Flip form factor and would be all over an Apple version of that phone. Myself, not so much. Call me old-fashioned or just call me old, <laughs> but I'm sticking with the current candy bar style. I've never had luck with Samsung phones, and in my opinion, there's just too much that can go wrong with the flexible screens and hinges these foldable phones employ. Next, Samsung introduced the Galaxy Watch 6 and the Galaxy Watch 6 Classic. The basic watch will cost you $300, while the classic model will cost $400. Not bad compared to the giant fruit company's offerings. Both models run on Google's Wear OS and feature larger, brighter displays and batteries, which is always welcome, and upgraded processors, of course. The Classic reintroduces the rotating bezel, which allows you to scroll through apps and widgets with a satisfying tactile feel. Finally, Samsung introduced the high-end Galaxy Tab S9 tablet line. These beauties feature slimmer bezels with OLED screens with a higher refresh rate than previous models. They also feature the same Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chip as the Z Flip and Z Fold, and have more powerful speakers. The water and dust resistance has been upgraded to IP68, and all sizes come with an S Pen. The 11-inch tablet starts at $800, and the 12.4-inch screen tablet goes for an even $1,000. The monstrous 14.6-inch model Tab S9 Ultra is $1,200. Again, not bad compared to the prices of comparable Apple iPads. Then, of course, iPads have more and better compatible apps than Android tablet offerings. The Android tablet app situation is still quite a mess, and though Google is trying to rectify this, it will still be years before they catch up to Apple's ecosystem. And wrapping up the tech section this week, an anti-Trump ad run by supporters of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis used an AI-generated Trump voice making an out-of-context statement. Now here's a good example of the future abuse of artificial intelligence we can expect to be bombarded with. And as time goes on, will only become worse. Now you combine this with deep fakes, and you can imagine where all this is going. Now, imagine if someone had a vendetta against you, and by using AI, can generate a video of you committing a heinous crime. How would you defend yourself? If I had the funds, no, or the brains, no, I would invest in a startup which made software that could detect AI-generated images and voices while also identifying the perpetrators of this fake. Perhaps software such as this already exists, and I just haven't heard about it yet. Tech I'm using. Not much to speak of this week, but it seems that my Ring doorbell camera has gotten a mind of its own. This is evidenced by the device seemingly deciding when and of what it will record and notify me of on its own volition. I have packages that I find and mail deliveries that appear out of thin air without a single alert. I'll walk out to my car in full view of the camera and it doesn't register on the doorbell camera. At first I thought that perhaps I had become invisible, which would match the way I'm interacted with at stores and restaurants by their employees, but at least eventually I'll get some reaction from them so I know they can see me. I've tried adjusting sensitivity and monitoring zones to no avail. Now, I do have a spare ring stick-up cam that I'll probably mount over the front door that will hopefully give alerts. Last week, I told you of my woes with the current iOS 17 public beta. My problem with the playback of podcasts while using CarPlay somehow fixed itself, which is good, 
but I don't know how this problem was resolved as I haven't received any operating system updates as far as I can tell. I mean, I'll take it, but it does have me wondering. None of the other glitches I have mentioned have been fixed. A developer's beta update for iOS 17 was pushed out late last week, so I'm hoping to be getting the public version real soon now. Entertainment news. The 75th Primetime Emmy Awards show has been delayed until September due to the ongoing actors and writers strike. Not so much of a loss as audience numbers have been steadily decreasing as of late to a point where it would be better to host the show on X or Instagram Live rather than television. And that's pretty ironic being that the awards are given to shows and actors which air on network television. As the much-maligned boomers such as myself die off, these audience numbers will continue to decline in the future. It's all about streaming these days, and the younger generations are all on board, as they should be. If I were a striking Writers Guild of America member, I'd be real worried right about now. Why? Because the Hollywood Reporter recently published an article pointing out that the major studios, which are mostly owned by big tech these days, and you can see streaming services as evidence of that, have multiple job listings for machine learning and artificial intelligence experts with starting salaries at six-figure levels. You know, why bother having a team of writers when you can just have an AI program spit out a script and have a human tighten it up? Perhaps if these striking writers actually wrote great scripts devoid of virtue signaling, agenda, or politics in general— that would translate to an entertaining movie or television program, and they wouldn't be in the predicament they find themselves currently in. The big tech-owned studios are in no hurry to settle with the WGA, and now you know why. Another thing, Gen Z, whose members these writers are targeting with those woke scripts, have no sympathy for them. Another casualty of this strike are the late-night shows. They've gone dark since May, and you know what? Nobody misses them. Like all media these days, they've gone hard political and forgotten how to be funny or entertaining. Heck, Greg Gutfield over on Fox News was beating them in ratings with an unscripted talk show. The last Late Show I watched was the Late Late Show with Greg Ferguson at the helm, and he left back in 2014. His replacement, one Trevor Noah, was fired and the entire show was dissolved. Mr. Noah was uber-political, matched by being unfunny, and his audience ratings were anemic at best for his show's whole run. Mr. Noah now helms uh, some podcast nobody listens to. Hey, wait a minute. I have something in common with Mr. Noah. Hmm. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Podcast news. Well, Spotify released their financial numbers last week, and they they look good with a 17% increase in subscribers. Even podcast revenue is up. Spotify CEO, Mr. Daniel Eck, stated that the company had overpaid and overspent on podcasts in the past, but has corrected that now. So it's official. There'll be no more Spotify exclusives in the future. Again, I wonder what Joe Rogan will do when his contract is up in 2023. I'm still wagering he'll go back to being independent. I was reading an interview which appeared in the podcast Business Journal with Rebecca Senenes. Miss Senenes comes from a national public radio background and jumped on the Podcast Incorporated money train early. She's also a casualty of the recent contraction of the industry and makes a point to whine about it throughout the interview. After working for Vox Media, she was the producer of the Leftist Pivot podcast and was head of audio at Artwell, which produced the Fox Princess Meghan Markle's underproducing failed Archetypes podcast. And we all know what happened to that show. It lost its multi-million dollar contract with Spotify. NPR would probably take her back, but, you know, they don't pay like the other places she formerly worked at, and no commercial podcast companies will hire her after the disaster that was the Archetype podcast. In the interview, she lamented that the celebrities are gone, and so are the big paychecks. So now Ms. Sinanes is supposedly de- developing new podcasts and hopes someone will drop a bag of money on one or more of them so she can continue living to the standard she had gotten used to. Oh, gee, that came off a little harsh, but it was people like her who contributed to pushing out independent shows and greedily demanded and received large salaries for their substandard work. I, for one, have absolutely no sympathy for her or Podcasting Incorporated as a whole. The Grand Old Lady, the British Broadcasting Corporation, better known as the BBC, which is but a shadow of its former self these days, announced a new podcast aimed at Gen Z listeners called What in the World? I'm sure most of the stories will be about trans people, pandemics, China, social justice issues, and let's not forget the climate crisis with a sprinkling of tech news. I gave it a couple of years before it folds. I'd say a year, but unfortunately, the BBC receives a steady supply of funds off the back of the British public in the form of tax levies. Just wait until it's eventually decided to allow the BBC to accept grants from big businesses like this country's national public radio does, and then you'll see the service really fall off that cliff. Yes, it's story time again. And again, I return to my time in England as a teenager. Sit back and I hope you enjoy it. Upon the expiration of the lease on our house in Little Compton, my roommate Rick and I decided we needed accommodation closer to the city of Oxford. Well, it made sense being that we spent most of our weekends there with Rick actually managing to start dating a nurse who resided within the city. Rick, who was older and much more adept at such tasks than myself, 
managed to find us a place just outside the city in a village called Horsepath. Yes, the obvious crude joke using the village's name did occur to us. The house we found was situated on a hill which overlooked the skyline of Oxford. If you happened to be looking out the window of the upstairs master bedroom, which I seldom did because Rick had claimed it as his own. My bedroom window afforded me a less spectacular view of the nearby British Leyland automobile factory. The house even had its own name. It was called Tudor Lodge. Rick and I became aware of that only because the sign posted on its front gate said so. We would pay the rent to the mother of one of the owners who were supposedly away teaching in Africa, but looking back on it now, I've come to believe that one or both of them were spooks. I'm making that judgment by some of the items the house was furnished with. Oh, did I mention that the house came fully furnished? It was furnished with antique dressers and other interesting items. One morning, Rick was awakened by the sound of someone cutting things around the outside of the property. Rick then quickly went outside to see what was going on and witnessed an older gentleman busily trimming the bushes and other fauna growing around the house. When challenged, the man introduced himself as Mr. Taylor and said he was employed by the owners to keep the property in good order. Well, it was weird to us, but hey, very welcome. At least we wouldn't have to do that. I actually met the elusive owners when they had moved back in. We had already vacated Tudor Lodge and Rick had already returned to the United States. My time to return to the U.S. was getting close, a little over a month out. By then, I had moved in with a friend who rented a run-down farmhouse in some remote place I don't even recall the name of. Rick and I had broken the base of one of these pieces of furniture while living there, which is a story in itself, and of course, we had to pay for its repair. Due to Rick's absence, the task of delivering the payment was left up to me. I returned, cash in hand, well, actually, the cash was in an envelope, to Tudor Lodge one sunny summer afternoon and was greeted by a petite woman, who I assumed was the wife of the couple. She invited me in to settle the business with her husband, who I found sitting in the living room, dressed in a sports coat, pipe in hand, studying some piece of paper while listening to something on a shortwave radio. After his wife announced my arrival to him, he greeted me while turning the volume down on the radio and told me, well, he more like instructed me, to take a seat. I did so while informing him that I couldn't stay long as I had taken public transportation from my current remote lodgings and had to make the next bus in order to get back at a reasonable hour. I noticed there were other furnishings around the house now that weren't present during the time we resided there and I mentioned it to him. He told me the items had been locked in the attic and only brought down when he and his wife returned from their postings and reoccupied the place. Well, unbeknownst to him, Rick and I had jimmied that attic lock while bored one evening long ago and had a look around. Well, besides the furniture, there were many books in that attic, mostly military histories and political policy tomes. Well, me being an avid reader, I borrowed some of those books with one about the Battle of Verdun during the First World War, which I enjoyed the most and still remember to this day. I handed over the envelope containing the money owed for the repair of the piece that we had broken. Well, he didn't even attempt to verify the amount, placing the envelope on a table in front of him, as if he made such exchanges many times before. He then told me that Rick and I had been good tenants, having paid the rent on time and in full every month, and described having problems with previous tenants in that regard, saying it was a shame we wouldn't be around to rent his house the next time they would be posted overseas. We both then stood and shook hands, and I took my leave, descending the hill to the place where I would catch the first of two buses back to the farmhouse. 
Well, that'll end part one. Next week, I'll tell you about my adventures while using Tudor Lodge as the springboard to Oxford. The music is playing as the episode as well as the day comes to an end. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. But remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. The humidity has moved out of the area, and so should you by getting off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.